Live? Here. Live! But we don't have to necessarily know what that means. What's the someday of Black Lives Matter? There's a reason we want this story happens now. Ladies and gentlemen, the movie writes itself. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I'm still streaming. How do I stop streaming? No! No! Good afternoon, Mr. Lustig. Good afternoon, Mr. Thornton. How are you, Sunshine? Uh, very good, thank you. Welcome, everyone, to Tuesday, February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day. If you're a Valentine's Day. I'm wearing red. You're wearing red. I'm going to relax during today's show. I'm just going to recline. I'm going to spend most of today's episode reclining. Yes. Thinking. I'm going to put my thinking face. I'm going to do this a lot. Your thinking cap on. Yeah. 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 Well, we're back to Ben and Jake put our thinking caps on. And uh, and here we are. I wonder where that phrase comes from. Your thinking cap? Your thinking cap. I mean, I guess, is it like I would have a hat that helps me think? Don't know. Someone should look that up for us. Someone should look that up. Leave it in the comments. Leave it in I the comments. Where does that? I mean, I mean, I could do it, but no. as, we, as we've already established, I'm in a reclining mood today. He's in a reclining mood today. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Someone, you, you definitely need to leave in the comments. Where does the phrase "thinking cap" come from? Yeah, yeah. Let that sit with you for yeah, a moment. Like, it's not like I'm going to put on my thinking shoes. On my thinking gloves, on my thinking sweater, on my thinking pants. Nick already got to it. Oh, what's it got? What have we got? What's he said? It's often said that thinking cap is an allusion to the official cap done by a judge when the time came to deliver judgment or passing. Interesting. There you go. There you go. Thanks, Nick. I still think, though, that I'm going to make it. Let me put on my thinking pants. Yes. Why not? Why not? Why not? Changes. Mix it up. It's 2023. It's 2023. Here Still. we are. Still 2023. The state of the world. The state of the world. Should we talk about before? What should we talk about to waste time before? Uh, no, it's not wasting time. It's not wasting time. It's not. It's informative for our viewers. But what should we talk about today? It is. Um, you know, I, I've been thinking actually about a couple of things. I actually have <laughs> The really great experience last night of going and uh, talking at the LA Film School to one of their classes. Um, And every time we talk to um, aspiring people in the entertainment industry, whether it's writers or producers or anyone, um, you know, they always have really interesting questions that definitely kind of make you think about like your own personal journey and where you come from and where you want to go and all of that um and you know one of the things that came up was how do you as a writer deal with the um the constant knowledge that so much of what you do will never be read or seen by anyone (laughs) and um yeah look at that face that lovable face. Um, and it's, you know, the the reality is that as a screenwriter, um, that's the truth. That yeah. most of what you write will never be read by more than a handful of people. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And um, and why is that? Well, Discuss why that is. Well, I mean, the, the first reason is that unlike novelists or even playwrights, most screenplays don't get published. Now, that's there is actually publication of screenplays that have been produced. Um, in fact, it's, I think, part of our contract that they yeah, publish uh, our screenplays. Although I couldn't tell you, I guess you could probably go on Amazon and any movie that's been produced there sh- in theory should be a publication of it. Although they really only have to pay you the publication fee. I don't think it requires right. them to actually publish the material. Right, correct. Um, so that's the first reason. Most screenplays just don't get published. Um, the second reason is most screenplays don't get made. Um, the vast, 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 vast majority of screenplays yep. will never get made. Um, the third also, reason from is... A, I guess from a slightly legal point of view, when you say pitch a screenplay before having written it, or you go on, uh, or you do an open writing assignment, you're not really allowed to share that screenplay. No. Because you don't own it. You don't Even own it. technically that- after you sell it, you're not supposed to continue to share it. Yeah. But, you know, most, the you know, the other thing, the other reality I think is that most screenplays don't sell. Yeah. Um. You know, so between most of your work not selling and then the stuff that does sell, most of it will never get made. And then the stuff that does get made, very unlikely will ever get published. Um, The odds of anyone ever actually reading your work are very slim. Yeah. There are the people that work on the project that will read it. There are your friends and family. There are your trusted screenwriter friends that you want notes from or your representation there's potentially a competition or that you submit it to but there really isn't like a forum out there yeah even the even the even the scripts on the blacklist should not be shared i know that uh franklin leonard towards the in in december when the blacklist comes out was really upset because someone had tweeted a link to a, a google drive Yes. All of that, where all of the blacklist scripts were. You know, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Screenwriters are kind of sharing those anyway. Because they oh, just... Not I, said the fly. Um, um, no, I... But, you know, like, you know, amongst screenwriters they do, but I think he was very upset because these this was very publicly being shared yeah. on Twitter, you know, 60 odd screenplays that are in development at major studios and he was like this is a big yeah. no but everyone knows you're sharing and of those 60 odd screenplays not all of them are gonna get made no fact, not even half of them will probably get made no, if honestly if that yeah if and that, now there are websites out there statistics of of blacklist um, screenplays how many scripts actually, actually get, get made, made. You know, I think it's very good for people to place on the blacklist. It does wonders Ooh. for people's careers. But yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, there are you know, several movies that have topped the blacklist that, I mean, I think probably most of them haven't been made. But I would, I'd be intrigued with statistics. Yeah, that would be an interesting t- statistic to do. But I think, you know, the question remains, which is... 
How'd you deal with the, that? The truth is that you will spend, as you've watched us now spend, many hours crafting characters, stories, structure. You put together a world and lore. You then laboriously choose those words for the page. Yeah. Putting all of your time and energy and passion and creative flow into what ultimately becomes a document. A document that no one will read. <laughs> so what do you do? How do we continue? Because if you think about that, in any other profession. I mean, if you were a, if you know, yes, you were a, you know, if you were an author and you had written a book that you weren't even going to self-publish. Right. You know, you'd be like, well, why the, why the hell did I do that? <laughs> I mean, look, sometimes hobbyists will do these things um, for their own personal, like, I sure. did that. I, sure. I wanted to write a book in my life. I wrote a book in my life now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's wonderful. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking yeah. about professionally, this is your life's work. I mean, I mean I one day... There probably are. There probably are. I mean, I would say that there are games that go into development and are, and are, are developed for a long period of time that never see the light of day. Games? Video games. I know of several. Yeah. But we're like, oh, this is being worked on, and then it never comes out. Sure. Because of reasons. Funding sure. ties up, whatever. You know... I'm sure there are numerous, 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 numerous projects. I'm sure the the amount of R&D, of research and development funds that Apple has on products that were abandoned because they just didn't make, make muster, you know. Um, I'm sure in technology it happens a lot. So I wouldn't say that, it, that, it's the only, that it's the only profession where that happens. I suspect it happens a lot of the time in... In lots of different, sure. in lots of different things. If I said only, I think, about, I, think I, I, I meant one of the only, sure. um, because most professions aren't that way. Mm. Most professions, if your passion is whether it be medicine or law or business or finance or education or whatever the work that you do is experienced and appreciated by the work, by, by the people, not only that it's intended for, mm -hmm. but you know, you can have the fulfillment of seeing that work finished, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. utilized in the way that it's intended to be utilized. Mm -hmm. um, you know, yes, I'm sure there, there's lots of types of creative things that, never see anything and that's what i mean i think creative professions in more than than others mm. tend to have this kind of of um experience but i would actually even say if you were a professional painter and i don't mean an aspiring painter because it's not what i'm talking about so let's be clear like uh as an aspiring anything, you can't count on your work being seen, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But if you were a professional painter or a professional musician, and most of what you either painted or recorded 
was never displayed to the public, mm. it would be pretty disheartening, I think. Mm. Mm. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that it will all be successful or that it will no, sure. show or that it yeah. won't, but it goes out into the world. Sure. You know, for better or for worse, it goes out into the world. Mm. You know, um, now people who develop video games, I think there's, yes, you could say, yes, lots of things get developed. Um, Video games are a very interesting thing because you'll work on one of those games for years and years and years. Yes. The odds of you working, I would I would guess, and I don't know any actual video game developers to to test this on, mm. but if you had a career in video game development that spanned 30 <laughs> years, probably more of your projects get made than not. Because yeah. the number of games that go through massive development and then get dropped. I suspect so, but I honestly, I genuinely don't know. I'd be really intrigued. In fact, one of my one of my neighbors works for Bungie in Bungie's communications yeah. department. I might ask him if they have had how many games in development actually get actually released. yeah, because of course they cost a lot of money to develop. Yes. And of course, it would never be the intention of going down the going down the road on a certain project. And then, I mean, and I'm, here's the other thing that we're yeah. talking about: the Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Because I remember in like the early 2000s, a uh, big Xbox fan in the early 2000s used to buy Xbox magazine, and there was a really cool Horsemen of the Apocalypse game that was being tracked, and there was artwork coming out every month and screen grabs, and then it was announced, hey. This game's not coming out now. Right. <laughs> I remember that really well. And so I'm sure it happens. Yeah. With, 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 you know what's interesting about yeah. something like that, that's different from what we do, mm -hmm. is there's hundreds of people that work on those games. Uh, absolutely. And guess what? All of them have read your work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, you know, there's a movie that everybody famously knows now, Batgirl, that will never get released. I know. At least... As of right now, it will never get released. And that's got to be really, really hard for all those people. And yeah. yet at the very least, all the people that worked on that movie know and have read and have experienced the screenplay that that writer wrote. Oh, oh. Or have watched or experienced parts of that movie. Right. Um, what we do goes out to 20 people. Yeah, and then no one else ever sees it again. Potentially, yeah, and, that, um, and, that's, and, that, and that's even if something sells. Yeah, you know, and so true. I think there's a different level of of having to come to terms with this need for like satis inner satisfaction. Mm -hmm. um, that is really, 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 really hard. Um, you know, people talk about writing just for the love of writing. And I, you know, I, I struggle with that all the time because as much as I do love writing, I also write for other reasons. I write because I want to see it made. I write because I want to have my writing affect people or have it bring them joy or laughter or sadness. I, I write because I want you know, to leave something behind in the world. I, mm -hmm. you know, all of those things. If I don't just write to have it in my head on my computer, 
Mm. That's not why I do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, some people genuinely just love the practice of living in their imagination and that's enough for them. Yeah. Um, but if that was it, then maybe I'd be okay with no one ever reading our work. Mm. <laughs> but at a certain point, you, you do have to go like, you know, the question that, that uh, as I was talking through this last night at the LA Film School, um, I said, you know, we have sold in the last nine years, it's been about nine years, um, I think close to 20 projects. Mm -hmm. One has been made. Yeah. Yeah. One. Yeah. Now that's not to say that we haven't, we've had a great career, we love what we do, we've worked with wonderful people, but, you know, most of those scripts that we have written, even professionally, that's not that leave out all the ones that didn't sell yeah. or mm -hmm. all the, the ideas that didn't go anywhere. Yeah. But most of those scripts will never get read by anyone again. Yeah. And they were, I mean, that's nine years of work. Right. Of passion yeah. of, of creative energy of putting mm -hmm. that out there, putting, taking those risks yeah. emotionally and yeah. everything else. Yeah. And you know, somehow we've managed to stay sane, but I do I think, think you have to release. Yeah. I mean, I in answer to the question, I think it would be, I think you have to release you getting external validation from a large group of people as being part yeah. of your satisfaction. I think you do have to find the, the excitement and the passion for the writing of it. Um, but I, I think a lot of one's satisfaction in this job does come from that as opposed. And also, I'll be honest, getting paid really nicely to do it. Yeah, I mean, look, validation. money is always great. You get validation from that. Yeah, validation. Validation from a sale is wonderful because it yeah. means enough people liked it to buy it. Buy it. Yeah, but you know, it's not. Um, it's not like we could just go out as a musician and and go play at a coffee shop and yeah, have a bunch of people smile and say how good it was, totally. Totally. or take an acting well, class and get some validation from friends. And here's the thing: the reason I the reason I segued away from being an actor was because I wasn't getting the ability I felt to be hugely creative on a, on mm. potentially a daily basis. And, th and that is true. Um, you, you have to be, I mean, uh, it, it is kind of also one of the benefits of being a writer, right? Like no one, no one can tell us that we can't do it. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the great freedoms of, right. of being a writer is that yeah. we work for ourselves. We're yeah. entrepreneurs. You, yeah. I don't have a boss telling me that I'm not allowed to write today. Mm doesn't exist yeah. you know um and that's absolutely fantastic mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it also just means that comes with everything else that i just talked about Completely, you know yeah and um yeah. so it's interesting to to kind of go like is there um is there a method is there a technique is there something mm -hmm. that people do to deal with that and that's the question that i was asked um and yeah. and i don't have a great answer for it i don't either um, I mean, again i just think it's like you know you're about as i was saying earlier 
your validation isn't going isn't going isn't going to come from that daily thing of you know i think you have to find an inner validation but isn't it like we've talked and we were just talking about it earlier today on a phone call about how so much of our career isn't even the writing part i know and how the day-to-day of being a screenwriter professionally is maybe 25 percent actually putting fingers to keep you know i like to be i'm i'm gonna be I'm going to keep it at 25%. Fine. Just to make myself feel good. Yeah. But 25% yeah. being your wife can't hear anything. Can I anyone know, else I know, hear? but other people can because Jacob. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I can hear you just fine, by the way. Thanks. Um, so I feel like, you know, when only 25% is the writing, right? Mm. Well, so that means 75% even, isn't even that thing that you're talking about, about, well, you just have to find joy in that. Yeah. Totally. That's not it's, what it is. What is it? It's right? pitches, it's discussing ideas. Yeah. There's, there's joy. To, I mean, look, we, there's joy that comes with that. I was just talking about, what was it, um, this morning, how excited I am about the two projects that we're currently working on right now. And yeah. then I, I feel, re- I get that that kind of like, giddy like ooh, i like that idea that we just came up with sure. and i think it's about finding enough in those small moments yeah to sustain okay. the passion yeah because yeah. you know when people ask me about like well how do you get a career in screenwriting um some sometimes it's that broad um yeah. Yeah. it's it really is about passion i was the three p's passion patience and persistence and yeah yeah, yeah. um and you have to sustain that passion yes you have to be and it has to be almost i mean it's not almost it has to be (laughs) self-generated it has to be self-generated and you have to keep the persistence of you keep writing even if no one is reading it yeah and you keep writing and you keep writing and you keep writing and you know at the the funny thing is like and and it really is like this is another i would say unique aspect to screenwriting versus any other even art mm-hmm. form mm-hmm. in any other art form it is very rare although i'm sure it happens sometimes for someone to create a piece of art and then before it is ever shown to the public a thousand people change that piece of art <laughs> so there is even even when you have the blessed experience of having one of your screenplays go out into the world where everyone can see and and watch it it's actually it's not yours anymore so from from the moment you sell it to the moment it's released, it has been touched and picked over and painted over and sung yeah. over and every other thing you can think of yeah. for months and months and months and months on yeah. end until the final product comes out. And the how many people will go back and read that original script? Totally. No one. Not really. Not really anyone. No one. And even yeah. if the script was nominated for an award, it wouldn't be the original one. It would be the one that got picked over all those times. Absolutely right. You know, it's really interesting, isn't it? Like, you know, we're about to have the Oscars and, you know, I would be really intrigued to know if the 
awards for you know best screenplay this year how many of those were worked on by other by by other people i'm you know? sure i'm sure a lot i mean maybe i mean maybe, I, the I indie ones. A less. maybe the indie ones or if there's writer maybe directors the in there i honestly don't know who's nominated you know but like Top Gun Maverick, we know. I mean, that's, I don't, I don't. There's so many credited writers on that. So many credited writers, and there are a bunch of people who, who, um, who <laughs> Jacobs, <laughs> Jacobs writing to us. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, um, so many right, so many uncredited writers on Top Gun, and that's nominated yeah. for best movie. You know, no. and that all yeah. these people, all these people who may have work still in the movie, but whose work didn't qualify for credit. Mm -hmm. you know it is a very i really do think it's a unique challenge that a screenwriter faces that yeah i can't think of another creative or even regular profession whereby the work that you do involves as much commitment and self yeah um like putting yourself out there in such a a vulnerable way um only to then have no one else ever experience that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's fascinating. And also it is part of the job. It's part of the job. And and it was, you know, another yeah. question that was asked of me last night was, have you ever been fired? <laughs> um, and the reality is the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. And the other answer that I told these students was, Everyone in Hollywood probably gets fired. Every, every everyone gets. And fired. if you don't like getting fired, don't be a screenwriter. Everyone <laughs> gets fired. Um, and and being fired in in Hollywood is usually more along the it's, lines of being replaced or not having it. your next and step. It's not activated. Indicative. It's not indicative of your talent. Yes. No, I mean, for example, we were replaced on our very first screenplay sale by two writers who who themselves were replaced on an enormous movie and who well, now have a huge television. I mean, that was in that was in the in the press. It was JD yeah. Payne and Patrick McKay. Patrick they McKay. they wrote the next draft of Winter's yeah. Night. It was announced yeah. when it happened. We yeah. found out in the trades, if you remember. Yeah, totally, I do. Nobody told us that we had been fired. We read about it. <laughs> and that's another thing that you should know as a screenwriter is that nobody People even might not tell you what's going on. And all of a sudden we get a deadline article. It pops up. It's winter's night. Oh my God. Oh wait, we were replaced. <laughs> and it's oh by God. these guys, J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay, yeah. who by the way are wonderful guys. And we had a great relationship with them. We did. Um, and they've gone on to now be the showrunners on Lord of the Rings, and that's oh, wonderful yeah. for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I remember actually being very, very butthurt about that, very up- upset, you know, about being, about being then, fired off. Not, not with them, but just, no, no, with, no. just with the circumstances, the way no, it happened. No, we had never been through it before. It was we the first, happened. it was our first big sale, and it was our first time yeah. being let go of what was an original. I mean, we had, Every like that that movie changed our lives. Mm-hmm. So to 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 get let go from that was really hard. And yeah. then to know at that point that the script that we sold that was everything that we put into it would never be the thing that got translated to the script. Yeah, yeah. 
lady, right? And we knew because we'd heard multiple things about the way the notes and things that were changing, it was not going to be the same. Yeah. It would have been, I'm sure, still similar. Mm -hmm. um, but there, the version of that movie that we had invested so much of our lives into yeah. and had sacrificed so much to get written um, was, you know, there were, what, yeah. 30, 40 people that read it? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> you know, the yeah. people that it went out to around town, probably yeah. some other people since that are reps. Some people are still reps. Yeah, you know. yeah. But yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's certainly never going to get published anywhere. Certainly. Actually, <laughs> these comments, Jacob, hello, Jacob. Good to see you, dude. The hardest part of screenwriting is lack of continued direct validation. Agreed. A very small amount of people see it and rarely obsess about it the way, uh, the way they do a good book. Absolutely yes. right. Uh, and yes, Jacob says, what, you're going to call it, the calling is movie Hellfire? Yes, we are. So far, yes. it's our working title. We didn't have one. Maybe Jacob didn't see the other the, the episode the other day, but Jacob, we showed the art that you yes. created. Yes. Today on the we show. Did. We, we, we shared right. your amazing artwork with our That's audience. Now, live, um, live, on, live on air. And, and we decided. It was right here. Yeah, we decided that, you know, it's a great title. And, and yep. as a working title. Fucking works. It works. So speaking of Hellfire, Hellfire. Um, let's jump in. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. no one can tell us we can't. No one can tell us we can't. We can do this <laughs> whenever we want to. Great, right. so uh, while uh, while Ben uh, is opening that up, uh, if you are watching us on Facebook, do go ahead and, uh, oh, Thomas is saying happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day you too, Thomas. Thank you so much. Um, uh, do go, if you haven't subscribed to our channel on YouTube, please do. Um, uh, no matter where you are viewing this, that really helps us out. Mm -hmm. We're trying to, we've got, got a bunch more subscribers, so thank you so much. Yeah. Um, yes, you can also go and check out our Facebook page as well. I think the link is at the top of our channel page too. So you can go and check that out there. In case there'll be other stuff going on there too. But here we are back in the outline for the script we are currently calling Hellfire, which came from Jacob Burgos. Bur mm -hmm. Burgos, I think, Jacob, I'm I do hope I'm saying your last name right with a hard G. Anyway. Yeah. Tell us if it's wrong. Um, I'm going to just bring some people back up because we are in our 66th episode, um, which is amazing. Um, but the other day we had a comment of, oh my gosh, you're scripting already. And I think a lot of people do jump in and out of these episodes, which is yeah. totally fine and wonderful. Um, so just to kind of bring everyone up to date on our journey here, we started 66 episodes with no idea whatsoever. had no yep. idea what we were going to write on this show, but it was going to be fun. It was going to be an experiment. And um, since then, we came up with an idea um, that has now been tentatively titled Hellfire. Um, and we went through the process that we've normally done by, by kind of watching movies that were similar diving into those, kind of cracking a, a broad story, some other characters, some other plot lines. Mm -hmm. um, and we felt comfortable enough uh, that we knew the broad structure of the movie that we wanted to tell, we started to do an outline. As we've learned from some of our interviews, go back and watch those, they're great. Not everyone outlines. Not um, outlines, yeah. And, and, yeah. Uh, and that's great. I, you know, there are times where I... I kind of go, maybe we shouldn't outline this one. Um, I think for us, we've found now after 14 years that this is a good way for us to work. And yeah. if something works and it's not broken, don't try and fix it. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. 
And again, I would, you know, I would, I would say that even if you aren't outlining, you should know where you're going. Mm. Mm-hmm. You should know where you're going, even if it's just yeah. super broad beats. Especially if you're working with a partner. Especially, Especially if you're working with a partner. Yeah, 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 yeah. But for solo screenwriters, you know, I mean, there's lots of people who say they just start with an idea and just see where it goes. Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, I can't very difficult for me, but some yeah, people do. Some people write novels that way too, you know? Yeah, like, it, it, indeed. Absolutely. You know? it's, it's interesting. Um, I've been doing a lot of re- I've been doing a lot of reading on on novel writing, yeah, and a bunch of and a bunch. I mean, like Stephen King talks about that. He's just like, just you know, I just write. I have an idea. I have an initial idea. I just kind of see where it takes me, and then in the edit, I kind of refine it a bit more, right? You know, which I think is somewhat inviting. Some I'm, people do really believe about a screenplay. Some people would address this and go, get a vomit draft out, as people call it. Yeah. Write a rough draft, even if it's horrible because then you yeah. can go back and go this doesn't work this does work this totally. doesn't work. Totally. in a way what we're doing here in an outline is almost like a vomit draft what we do yeah what you're watching us do now is go through scene by scene figuring out all the various beats that are going to ultimately end up in our screenplay mm-hmm. and what's happened and why we're still where we are in this is that we got to a certain point and realized this so, isn't working yeah. <laughs> Something's not right about not this. Exactly. It's not clean enough. It's not yeah. doing exactly what we want. Doesn't feel fresh and enough. I wouldn't, want, I wouldn't have wanted to have done scene work and rewriting work already yeah. and then go, got to throw all that out. I mean, we have done that with our screenplays in the past. Absolutely. Turn out entire screenplays yeah. because they haven't been working. I mean, we, yeah. we, 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 we were working on one not that long ago where we got about 45 pages in and went, yeah, I'm going to stop this because it's not not it's not working just not working just not working and we'd outlined that yeah probably not as probably not thought through as much as we yeah yeah um so we try now to to to, for our vomit draft really think through these outlines and it takes a little while um usually it takes us about two full weeks of work which would be about 80 hours um you know we do work 40 hour work weeks and um so hopefully it won't take us 80 hours to get through this for you guys because we'll be on episode 100 then by the time we're actually done outlining. Right. But we're not going to rush it either because we this this is the process. <laughs> yeah. This is the reality of, of what it takes. Yeah. So here we are. We're not scripting yet. And that was the point of walking us through all of this. We're not scripting yet. We are still in the outline phase. Um, and for us, that is a detailed phase. So we last we left off going, um, we're in the bookstore with Lilith, mm-hmm. right? Um, and she's at the front. She's having a conversation with her cashier that's going to be a fun little part. We'll figure out who she is in a little bit. Yeah, sure. All of a sudden, she stops. Fuck. She runs back to the room, grabs a book along the way, grabs a pencil and starts sketching furiously and what we realize is that it's actually the view from sam's office that she is connected somehow psychically to 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 sam correct yes we wrote this was just for our notes and i'll delete it in a second but it was zod and the other horsemen are having similar visions which is probably happening 
we won't cut to that. Nor will we probably even address it. That, yeah, I don't think we will either. Yes, yes. I think it'll just be assumed when they show up at her apartment. Or, or actually when they show up in Portland. Totally. Or later on when it's like, we have to put this over your, have to put this bag over your head. Why? Yes, that's where we'll get that. That's how we'll get that. For right now, we're not going to know that. In fact, um, we're not even going to fully know, interestingly enough, what is going on at all at this point. Absolutely right. Just, just to be clear, and, and, and part of this happens because we're only working on this for an hour a day, and I think mm -hmm. that that presents its own challenge. But yeah. let's talk about what the audience and the reader knows at this point, because That's we're right. about right. to enter into what I feel like is the next sequence. Yes. Right? So what they know about what? Any of it? Everything. Right. Like, okay. what do I know? Go okay. sitting what down do and I reading this, this script. Okay. What Great. do I know? So I know I, I, I've started off the movie watching a prologue set in 1920s Chicago. I think we're still in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And there is a, a ceremony that we glean Go through. is about raising the Antichrist slash the fourth horseman. That's right. Okay. The, all these acolytes are treating uh, Lilith, Zod, and number three with great reverence. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna see, and probably, I can't remember, I can't remember how, much we, how much we know about them at this particular moment. And scrolling very loosely That's through what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. There's demonic energy. We the will have seen the tattoo, which interestingly enough, we will then recognize. Good point. When we see it on the back of her neck. Yes. Absolutely. See, right. this, is what, this is the thing is, I don't even, didn't I even remember that that's there. I yeah. Absolutely right, yes. Okay. So then um, uh, Lilith stops this ceremony from happening. Right. A brief conflict with Zod and escapes. So yes. we know they were up to bad, bad, bad stuff. Mm -hmm. Lilith was on the side of said bad stuff yes. and rebels. And, right. and stops the bad thing from happening. Right. Then cut to 100 years later. We're going to know that Lilith is, for all intents and purposes, functionally immortal. We might assume that. Right. She hasn't aged a day. We don't just assume she has a good skincare regime. <laughs> yes, no. We've, we've done a few for 100 years later. We know clearly she's not. Right. Yeah. We know that right now she lives in a small town. She's no longer with the people who she was with in the opening because, of course, she left them there. And that she lives a kind of solitary life, isn't interested in fully dating yet, but someone's been 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 asking her out. and But she's said maybe, for no. But we're going to see through certain uh, moments that she perhaps wants, wants more. Right. We then leave her and we go to a character we haven't met yet before. We go to, um, we go to Sam after, after this playground moment yes. and just kind of seeing, seeing her life. Yeah. Uh, we then go to Portland. Uh, we then see a character called Sam uh, with her husband, Larry in a therapist's office. We're going to sit there that they're, uh, marriage is on the rocks because of her behavior mm. um primarily driven by her behavior yeah um yeah. it's contentious um we can see that he really wants to kind of 
make this happen, but perhaps she's not really fully invested in the relationship. Mm -hmm. We're then going to cut to her work. We're going to see that she is a, a uh, fairly high up in this law firm, perhaps about to make partner, but we're going to see the fact that she does not make partner. And again, we're going, how the audience is going, how is this linked to stories of demons? We don't know at this moment. Mm -hmm. We do not know who this person is. Right. But we're going to see this person has uh, two young, two young kids. Um, and that even though she's not the greatest wife, uh, she does love, she does love her kids. Yes. Uh, you know, not, not enough to want to save marriage at this moment. Um, she goes out that night and is on a date with someone who is not her husband, who is um, uh, trying his best to be a good guy, but she's getting drunk because she's just been passed over for this promotion. She tries to get hot and heavy with him a little bit, and he says, no, let's. I'm going to drive you home. She goes, fuck you, goes to a dive bar and uh, has sex and toilet school with some stranger. That night she comes home and her husband is there ready to take the kids. And in fact, he does take the kids. She goes to the house and uh, has a bit of a meltdown, at which moment a shockwave of energy is going to emanate from her. At this moment, the audience is going to be going, oh, there's something paranormal slash other going on with this person because this thing has just happened. And at the same time, approximately, we go back to our Lilith character and we see her blackout as well. So these two characters are linked somehow. We wake up with Sam the next morning. And as we've just discovered, we start to see the same mark we saw on the guy in the opening who was becoming the Antichrist start to form on the back of Sam's neck. So the intelligent audience member among us is going to go. Sam is the is the new is the new antichrist. Lilith begins to have visions that begin to link her mind to Sam's. Yep, you good? Oh yeah, no, I'm 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 having a thought, but I'm following you to okay, see if it's right actually. And uh, starts to scribble down these visions. And that's what the audience knows right now, about 10 minutes, 12 minutes into the movie. Yeah. So as, as we were walking through that, there was something that kind of popped out to me. And it was this idea of this cult that existed 100 years ago that clearly was um, important mm -hmm. to the raising of the fourth horseman without does not feel from that early part of the movie that without the cults it yes. would have happened yes and here we are now a hundred years later it's happening and yet no cults and so two things popped into my head as you were talking about it one is why no cults but if yes cult because it feels like it actually probably should be um then should we imply because um it's always been somewhat of an issue for me um as to just the why sam of it all mm -hmm. like is there is is it as specific as they picked her 
for the reasons that we are establishing clearly, but that somehow this isn't just totally random, but that the cult is somehow involved. That's one, that, that's just oh, something yeah. I've been of. First thing, yeah, so it's funny you, you suggest the cult, because as, we as we were talking through it, again, I was thinking, should the cult somehow be involved? I was going to say, should the cult somehow be involved, the, the modern day version of the cult, somehow be involved in the bringing of the demons to the earth plane once more, rather than them just arriving because they arrive? Can it be we need to do some kind of ceremony to, to allow you access to the mortal plane, a sacrifice or something so that you you can arrive here. Has that always been the way then? So is Maybe. Uh, there not, not been any demons around unless the cult opens this doorway? Maybe, maybe, it may, maybe it gives us problems for later on. But I mean, because we know we want to have this demon. That's... We want them traveling kind of back and forth but, through mirrors and things like that. Yeah. yeah. Has, uh, and also this, 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 this character that Lily... But if the cult is. is like the cult of the four horsemen then I would believe that whatever they're doing, their goal is to bring forth the, the white horseman and that a hundred years ago, they succeeded in finding the right type of a specimen in order to do this too. And when they did, clearly the other horsemen came to perform the ceremony to raise the, their dark lord the antichrist mm. now seems to be the second coming of this. the second coming of the yeah totally um, um, i don't know that that i love the idea that they've been involved in selecting her or what that would have meant and looked like okay um because then, if that is the case, why do the demons not know exactly where she is, and why, like, why do they not get there first if they already know who it is? Well, the cult aren't the demons. Like, let's be clear. Right, right? but presumably, though, if I was if I was a demon and I have a, a cult associated with basically me mm, and my mm, desires, mm. I'm going to be in communication with them. You know, I'm not just, it's not going to be separate from, it's going to be intrinsically yeah. linked in the same way as it's intrinsically linked in the opening. You know, that's the feeling that you get, that these mm. two groups are intrinsically linked, that demons have whispered promises of power into the ears of a cultist and they've gone, yep, sounds good, let's be a cultist. You know, it, it makes me ask a question I don't need to ask. If I'm going, they've selected. I guess. I guess the question, though, that I'm asking, which I think I would ask if I was watching this movie as well, is yeah. based on everything that you just said. What have the demons then been? Ha, has Zod and the other horsemen been whispering into the descendants of these occultists for the last hundred years trying to do what? Yeah. To do what? Yeah, like sure. what are they? What have they been doing for the last sure. hundred years? Uh, Why going, now? When, when all when all the signs 
get met and when the and when the antichrist when the fourth horseman chooses an earthly vessel we're going to need allies and people on earth to help us for when we for when we when we need to for do what i mean presumably this final sacrifice this final ceremony so but, I can't just go and kill not. a whole bunch of people and draw a pentagram on the grounds. I mean, maybe he can. Maybe he can. I feel like also it it brings me back to just something that we had talked about in various forms, and I still feel like there's it's just not fully formed, which is the why now of it all. And while I like this seven deadly sins angle and the horseman angle and all of these things that we were working into i think they all work it doesn't 100 percent satisfy that question of why sam why now mm. is she the person that is just gotten the mark of cain mm. we we are establishing at the beginning a human faction that is involved with the attempt of raising the, the white horseman. Mm. Now, how much communication they have with them, we don't establish. No, we, we don't show them showing up. Yeah. But what we do say is humans are involved here. They're not all demons at this ceremony, right? No. Yeah. So when shit goes down, not all of them are killed. It's not like every person in that cult dies no. they've seen that there's truth behind their mission yeah absolutely certainly right. yeah. they would continue to try and do the very same thing they did yeah but obviously what we're saying is that you can't just go choose a random sacrifice. They have to be marked with the mark of Cain in order for yeah. this to work yeah but at the moment, there's no rules to that. And so it feels amorphous as to why Sam and why today. Mm -hmm. And if it's not the cult that has somehow been instrumental back then and today, and it's just totally random, mm -hmm. well, why, do I, why does Zod need this cult? I don't buy that then. I go... Well, a hundred years ago, when that person started to sh show the mark of Cain and he sent out the blast of energy, when. Yes. Like, why didn't Zod just show up and do it all himself? Like, what? Like, why is there this cult even here? Mm. Unless they were the ones who made all of the preparations, who who found the specimen, who did the spell that brought the Mark of Cain onto their body and who set the stage for the other horsemen to arrive and thus bring forth the, the white horsemen. Mm. It feels like they, there's no need, the, there's no need for them unless they are active in this. Mm -hmm. um, and I like what we have now. I really actually find that, that opening. I do too. Yeah, I do too. You yeah. know? And also it answers it does it answers a question for me. It answers the question of why her if she's been chosen. If she yeah. is so then it's fine, we can go down that road, but then the question needs to be answered. Why 
isn't Zod waiting on Sam's doorstep the minute the mark begins to show up on her body? Why don't they already have her? Well, let's track it back to 100 years before and what we've seen. So we haven't, we haven't seen that much in the let, thing. But, we but see the me, end of this, but yeah. Let me track back to what we have seen, which uh -huh. is that Zod isn't the one bringing the guy to the ceremony. He and the other horsemen are getting out of a car and coming to this party as honored guests. Yeah. Everything has been arranged for them. So tracking that for a moment, I would assume, based on that, that these occultists have been holding this man either hostage or he's one of them, probably hostage. Yes. Um, they, they, in your version, they, have, version, they selected him, found him, brought him here. Yes, and when the time was right, yeah. sent word for Zod and Horseman to come to do said ceremony. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Zod had no reason to get the specimen then, why would he have a reason to show up now with worry unlike he did then? And mm -hmm. so that's leading me to an interesting possible scenario, which yeah. is the interference of Lilith is what brings Zod into the mix now. As So... so are you going with this that perhaps the first set piece isn't Lilith versus Sod, but it's Lilith versus cultists? Yes. That works. I that am. works. That works. I'm thinking okay. that cultists, and we'll figure out that the, there's details to be worked out, which is how did they know Sam? Da 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 da. Some of those details don't really matter though. And I some agree. of them, and some of them will. But yes. the cultists have waited, they have been doing what the, our old demons used to do in the previous draft of the script. They yeah. have been trying to create the um, the vessel. Yeah. And they've succeeded with Sam. Mm -hmm. She is the new vessel. Mm -hmm. They show up to kidnap her and bring her to their new 100 yeah. years later temple. Yeah. And who fucking shows up? Lilith takes them out, fucking gets out of there, and then they commune with the dark side. Oh, that's interesting. So they you think they actually get her. What? So you think that they actually get her? No. I mean, I, okay. I think that they are, a la the current script, showing up at the same time. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Yes, okay. Lilith makes it just before the kidnapping, because what does Lilith know? Lilith knows how this works. Mm-hmm. Lilith, no. Well, do you do something fun whereby one of the cultists is someone that she knows? Is oh, it? That, is yeah. it? Is it the therapist? Is it the guy she goes on a date with? Yeah. Or, it's her or like the partner at the law firm. Yeah, someone like they've had their eye yeah. on her for some time. Yes, know? and that's why she was chosen. They go, here's the perfect. She has all the seven deadly sins. She's the one. Now, I love it. Love, love, love. What is that? What is the thing that they did 
What is the thing that the cult would do that's specific that would allow us to know as the reader in the audience that they were potential, that they were involved and also that they would have to do in order to start the process? Yes. For example. Again, like what I want to be aware of too is she was the perfect person to become this horseman. Yes. Because she was already not a great person. There is some All of those... responsibility here. Yes. No, 100%. She yes. has, she's not an innocent who's just been chosen out of no, no. For no reason. Yeah. Right. She is actively committing the seven deadly sins, basically. Yeah. She is the perfect specimen. They And they for whatever reason, are ready. They've decided today is the day to to mark her, for example. Yes. yes. Um, is it, like, I don't want it to be like, I don't, I don't like spellcraft, even though I know we kind of have a spell earlier in the movie, but and I don't it love that. Necessarily like, it doesn't feel necessarily like a spell per se, but there's more like a ceremony. But yes. yeah, I hear you. Yeah. But, I, but I don't think this would be a ceremony. I'm wondering if there's something, for example, yeah, that, too. Like, that could be the... Catalyst for this change. Like, okay, here's just... I don't know if this works, but, I'll, but I'm just going to pitch the, 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 bad, the bad version yeah. of this. What if somehow one of these cultists, probably the one that she knows, the one that's closest to her, what if they mark her with like... Lamb's blood. Yeah, ram, I was going to say ram's blood. Exactly the same, yes. You say ram, I say lamb. I don't think ram, I'll, I don't think I'll continue, Ben. Um, <laughs> and is there a way to do it whereby it is like the mark of Cain? Like, is there a, like a something about like so that i know that there's got to be like a specificity to what i'm doing to you today i know that tonight with everything that's going down in your life and the and the energy that's come out somehow i know that you're gonna, not, that you're mark is going to go yeah, and I, you're going to start your transformation. And yeah. then we are going to swoop in uh -huh. and we're going to take over. Totally. But there's a, a couple of problems. Yeah. A couple of the problems is, um, first, if I'm actively marking her and I know that it's happening tonight, why don't I just take her tonight? Right? That's the first yeah. thing. Yeah. And then the second thing is, how would I and how could we establish that somehow whatever it is that the occultist is doing that is active, um, that that it's a combination of both their action and Sam's behavior, Sam's growth into it that culminates in this moment. Yeah. So one of the things I'm thinking of um, is... You know, is there a way? 
Is there a way for us to be watching her without being ready to kidnap her? Or is there a way, for example, for us to, in movie fashion, be just lucky enough that there hasn't been an opportunity to kidnap her yet? Right. That's one thing. You know, do the cops show up because she, people call, you know, because of the, her breaking shit in the house or <laughs> is she brought to the hospital because someone finds her passed out right and they can't and we see a guy in a fucking hood that's watching and yeah. they can't go and take her right you know yeah, yeah, is yeah. there something that happens that gives lilith the time she needs and they're waiting to act that's one yes that's one that's one option yeah or if it's not that, what is going to alert them to the time of it all? Now, we're going to establish, interestingly, that Hank, if we're going to keep this, that Hank has a demon energy monitoring system. Totally. Absolutely right. Um, so, in theory, the occultists could have the same thing. Um, they could also sense the um, this yeah. release of energy. But I don't think it should be completely random. I think it should be we are actively trying to do these things. I'm okay. I'm down. I think we're going to have to find, as you were were suggesting a moment ago, ways of it not being they can't take her instantly because of whatever reason, finding something. Yep. I have an idea. Oh, what is it? Maybe. Yeah. So what if it's the kind of thing whereby, and I'm I'm totally taking this from um, (laughs) three identical strangers, um, but what if it's the kind of thing whereby certain children, when they're born, are marked with what looks like a birthmark, and then those children are watched by the cults uh-huh. their whole lives uh-huh. waiting to see which one if any of them ultimately become the person and that the marking that they put on them as babies like if she were like i don't know if i'll ever see this but i just like yeah, the imagery. Yeah, 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 if yeah. she was an infant and someone came into like the little nursery and with some ram's blood painted a little thing and somehow the it's stained their skin like so that there was like a birthmark on them and then if there was a um, (laughs) all the stuff we see off screen yeah but but maybe there's a flashback to that when we learn why why me why me oh it's the birthmark i've had since birth yeah that now is starting to change that the birthmark actually like we can find another way for it to what what it looks like when it's in full fruition But then the guy that's been watching her, we would know that he's been there watching her, but he but he yeah. wouldn't know the moment it happens. Yeah, totally. So I know. Gonna, yeah. 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 Let's write some of this stuff just down, just as potential stuff, because we are running an hour right now. Okay. Uh, Michael just texts us a long question. I think we should answer this tomorrow because okay. it's a long question. Um, but I think it will be an interesting question for us to look at as well. Okay. Given what we're looking at. So Michael, thanks for your question. We will, we will answer this on tomorrow's show. Um, we'll be going live, I think probably at 2 PM tomorrow. 
So if you can join us then, great. If you can't, that's okay too. Um, but we will, um, <laughs> thanks, potting sheds do matter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so we are writing, if you're listening on audio right now, why Sam? Why is Sam the one who's, yeah, why is Sam the chosen one? The cult is still around. They've been marking babies for the last 100 years, watching them, seeing if they're going to become the one, uh, waiting for one to manifest into yes. Yes, the one. Um, so uh, one of the people who is watching Sam is going to be someone in her life. We can decide who that is, um, whether it's someone at the firm or the therapist. Oh, it's her husband. No, I don't think it should be her husband. Why not? Let's discuss tomorrow. It's too, it's too All right. <laughs> what a what a what a twist when her hundred when her husband shows back up in the fucking at the fucking goal. I mean, if you ever saw that, him too, taking the kids was all part of it. That's really interesting. I've actually been pushing Push her over the edge. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I just, maybe. I Maybe. All right, everybody. All right, we thanks for joining us, everyone. Um, we'll be back 2 p.m. tomorrow if you want to watch us live. And if uh, and if you're not watching us live and you're watching us in the future, you can go to the next episode right now. I hope it's a good one. Yes, in the future. <laughs> I hope it's a good one, too. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching Thank Ben and Jake write a movie. Thank you. We'll be back tomorrow to keep writing that movie. Bye.